Today we are going to take a look at the prophet Hosea. It's the, the final week as we're walking through the Bible this year that we'll look at prophets uh, of the Old Testament. But uh, Hosea is believed to actually be the first of what is known as the, the 12 minor prophets. Uh, the ushers have for the children this morning um, a paper to kind of help them uh, go along with the idea of Hosea, but as you'll find out if you don't already understand it, the, the content of Hosea isn't always kid-friendly. I was grateful for Pastor Jeffrey giving me the opportunity to speak on this day, <laughs> when Hosea is probably my favorite of the prophets, so I couldn't let it go. Maybe it's a thing of uh, immaturity or something, I don't know. Uh, but that we wanted to help them uh, maybe learn a little bit without learning too much <laughs> this morning. Uh, so, and I'm going to do my best to keep it PG as well. But the video starts us off very well this morning as we think about Hosea. And it's important that we begin with the reality that God is jealous. It's always important that when we think about God's Word that we begin with who God is. And God is jealous. We, we sang about it this morning already, but sit with that for a moment. When you hear the word jealous, what comes to your mind? And then when you think of God and God being jealous, does that stir up positive or negative feelings for you this morning? Exodus chapter 20 says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. It, it continues on. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Verse 8 talks about the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, keeping it holy. It's a day set apart for God. Creation is over, and now we rest, and we rest in who God is. Jesus, Jesus has this same... Uh, thing going on because he says I am the way, the truth and the life. You don't come to the Father unless you come through me. And so we see that in a very real way God is jealous. The difference between his jealousy and ours is that we tend to be jealous of. And God is jealous for. God created you and I in His image. 
and he wants us badly to be exactly who he created us to be. What it looked like in Genesis 1 and 2 before Genesis 3 came into existence. God is not jealous of us or anyone else, but he is jealous for us. And uh, I don't know exactly how that resonates with you, but I'm really glad that God is jealous for me. In the, in the, in the, the video, we saw this disturbing reality that's all too real for too many, and especially in our society. And as we would continue through Hosea, and if we were to watch more of that type of footage, the reality is the husband's going to go after her like crazy because he's jealous for her. He wants her. Another reality is that God often describes our relationship with Him as a marriage. In Matthew 25, we uh, see the parable, what's called the parable of the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. Took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there, there may not be enough for both of us and you. And instead, go to those who sell oil, buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. And it continues. But we see uh, here in Hosea, as we will look at it, and there in Matthew and, and many other places, that that God often describes our relationship with Him as one of marriage. And I wonder how that resonates with you this morning. If you're married, you have a little bit better insight to what marriage is than, than one, those who aren't married this morning. But all of us have this idea of what marriage is. And so I wonder how it resonates with you that God often describes His relationship with us, His people, or us, His created people, as one of marriage. Today, uh, we will look at Hosea. And Hosea is, as I said a moment ago, one of the twelve minor prophets believed to be by many the first Hosea prophesied to the northern uh, kingdom in the, in the last years of the divided kingdom of Israel. And, and so the interesting thing, and, and if you were to want to look at it more, open up to 2 Kings chapter 14 through 18, and you'll see this is the time period where Hosea is prophesying. And, and if your Bible is divided like mine... There's heading after heading, all these subtitles, and it's all about who became king, who became king. There was another king, and another king, and another king, and another king, and all of these kings because there was a lot of uh, unsettledness 
in the land. There was a lot of immorality, a lot of, a lot of wrong taking place, a lot of destruction and defeat and, and uh, turmoil within. And, and so there's all of this uncertainty and unrest. And, and this is the time period in which Hosea is prophesying to God's people. Hosea is, is broken up. If you were to read all of Hosea, and we won't this morning because apparently one of the band members doesn't want me to go longer than 45 minutes. Just saying, Lisa. But <laughs> she's known me for a really long time. Hosea has this rhythm. And we see it in chapters 1 through 3, and then it repeats itself in chapters 4 through 11. And then again, finishing up 11 through the rest of the letter. As this rhythm, and the rhythm is, is one of, of kind of judgment, of speaking. This is the reality of where you're at, and it is not good, it does not honor me. But the rhythm, the end of the rhythm is always but I'm going to restore you. And the rhythm repeats itself throughout Hosea's writing. Hosea is interesting to me. I think the reason I like Hosea and I'm intrigued by Hosea in some ways more than all of the other prophets personally is, is that in my mind he's a little bit different than the rest of them because as I read it, what I see is that, that God asks Hosea to actually live in the prophecy. Not, not just to um, tell people what's going to happen. But Hosea actually is called by God to live it out in a very real and uh, hard way. And and so anytime as we read Hosea, we have to understand that Hosea really is, is kind of a, a parable. He's kind of living the parable of the message, the metaphor of the message that God is trying to speak. And, and so as we read the name Hosea, that really we read the name God, Yahweh. And then as we read the name Gomer, Hosea's wife, we, we really read the name of Israel, the people of Israel and and, and so, as we read the story, God asks Hosea to do something probably most of us would, would not even consider agreeing with. And, and so we go to Hosea. Hosea chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beri. During the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. During the reigns of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery. And departing from the Lord. Why in the world would God 
ask Hosea to do that. Why would a God who loves ask someone to do such a ridiculous thing? I believe this morning that God asks Hosea to do this because sometimes we have to see something to believe. It's easier to believe when we see. And, and if we practice what we preach, it goes a really long way with those that we are speaking to. So I believe that Hosea was asked by God to go and marry this adulterous woman and we can give all kinds of tags, all kinds of names to what that is and, and you know them. But because this morning we have children, we'll leave them just in here. At least we'll attempt to. But one of the amazing things, too, is that as this happens, and Hosea goes and, and takes this adulterous woman, it also shows how God chose us before we accepted him, before we chose him in return. It, it shows how, how God loves us even though we didn't first love him. It shows us how God loves us even though sometimes we don't still love Him. And so I believe these are many reasons why God would ask Hosea to do such a uh, ridiculous thing. Ridiculous, not in a bad sense, just so far out there that I can't come up with another word. Back to verse 3. So he, he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the, the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Israel, or what looks to be Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Israel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Israel. Gomer conceived again, gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horse and horsemen, but by the Lord your God. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. And the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami. For you're not my people, and I am not your God. The offspring, the children, they give us some incredible insight to what's happening to the prophecy that God has given Hosea to speak. The, the name of the first child, Jezreel, Yisrael, it, it means God plants. Or God sows. It's this idea 
that God is, is working and nurturing. And, and if we were all farmers, we could understand it better. Or maybe if you're a gardener, you get it. I don't even like plants in my yard. That's <laughs> just too much work. But Jezreel, the valley of Jezreel is this beautiful place. It's, it looks nothing like West Texas or East Texas. It's, it doesn't look anything like Oklahoma or Kansas. It, it maybe is somewhat most represented by a valley in the Rocky Mountains or something, though not that high in elevation. But it's this beautiful valley, and it's, it's very lush, very beautiful. If you were to go and Google images today, it's modern valley of Jezreel. And so there are, there are roads and there are cities that are built up just like we have here. But, but in its time, it was a beautiful place and it was very serene. It was just, it was just beautiful. And so Jezreel means God plants. But the interesting thing about Jezreel is that it became a place of mass murder. 2 Kings 9 and 10 reveal to us, and we won't read it again this morning, but uh, you could. You could go back and read it at home. It, it, it reveals the realities of mass murder. Heinous crimes. And in reality, when, when God gave Hosea this name, the imagery that came to, to mind of the people of that day would be what would come to our minds when we hear this name. Auschwitz. Hiroshima. Those are the images that would be in the mind of the people when they think of the valley of Jezreel. Not such a nice name to give your kid, is it? But it speaks to the relationship, the realities of who God's people had become in this marriage with God. And if we move on to the second name, Lo Ruhamah, it means not pitied, no compassion. The, the word the name Ruhamah, that word, it means it speaks to God's characteristic of compassion and of mercy. But when you put the, the letters L-O in front of it, it reverses the meaning. And so it now becomes no pity, no compassion, no mercy. So God is saying when he names the second child, Lo Ruhamah, he's saying there will be no pity, no mercy from me. The third child is lo ami, means not my people. And so you get the idea that ami means that God calls Israel to be his people. And we see that in Exodus chapter 6, for example, when, when he calls Moses and he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And so we have this going on. That God called this people group who has now just completely left who he called them to be. He, 
And so they, they get the name Lo-Ami. You are not my people. You don't follow me. The reality is you don't worship me alone. I'm just one of many, so you're not my people. And because of that, because you're not my people, I'm not really your God. You made that decision. I'm not your God. God tells Homer to do the, the insane thing of, of marrying an adulterous woman, to then name these children these three names. These, these aren't fictitious children. They're, they're running around on the streets like every other kid. They're walking the halls of their schools just like your kids. And, and if you were to see them walking around, they would look like your kids physically. But they, they have names of great significance. And all to communicate a message for God to His people. Reminding them how jealous He is for them. And how much He desires for them to come back to Him. Hosea's story builds. It continues. It doesn't end there. Which is a good thing, except that it gets worse before it gets good. Hosea chapter 2, beginning at verse 2. Uh, here we have kind of a court setting, and the, and the court setting of the day wasn't in a building like what we might go to. Uh, but the court setting of the day was kind of out in the city square. It was out in, the, in an area that was defined, and, and people could be walking around, and people would hear your business. And we took your, your uh, complaint to the court setting. It was, it was out in the open. It, there was no hiddenness to it. You know, CNN was allowed to be there. And so we see this take place. It says, rebuke your mother. Rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face, the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. For then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain. I was the one who gave her the new wine. I was the one that gave her the oil. Who lavished on her the silver and gold which they used for worshiping Baal. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens I will, and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. Listen closely. So now I will expose her lewdness 
before the eyes of her lovers. And then listen most closely. No one will take her out of my hands. When we think of marriages that end up in a courtroom, we, we think of a pretty ugly things when people get this idea that they can no longer live together, that they're apparently now incompatible. We, we get this idea and there's a lot of hate and anger and there's probably been a lot of stupid things done. And when couples go to the courts to try to end a marriage, it, it's usually... Not because they're trying to salvage the marriage. No, they, maybe they tried that, but now they just want to be over with it. But that isn't the case here. Have you ever known somebody who said, I'm going to take my spouse to court and I'm going to expose their lewdness so that the eyes of their lovers will see the pitiful nakedness, the pitiful reality of who they are. And then the final part, so that nobody will take her from my hands. Have you ever heard of someone going to court for that? But that's exactly what Hosea is doing here. He doesn't go with the intention of throwing her away. He goes with the intention of God. Intention of compassion and mercy and jealousy for. And says, we're going to go, but I'm going to do it so that no one else can have her. Just me. Can you imagine what would happen if that was the argument at divorce court today. The judge wouldn't have a clue what to do with it. I mean, it would just, uh, you know. But that's what's going on here. That's what Hosea does because that's what God does for his people, Israel. That's what God does for you and I every time we blow it and decide that He's no longer our God. That's the reality of who our God is. He says it uh, in a slightly different way a few verses later in, in uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. He says, Therefore I am now going to allure her I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. We, we did that part back like in January or February at the latest as Pastor Jeffrey was walking, walking through the earliest portions of Scripture. The, the people, you know the story, many of you, the people had become slaves in Egypt. God's people. And God, in a powerful, miraculous way, brings them out. 
And so the image here that Hosea is giving us is the, is the little child, maybe the age of Sean or Ethan, my boys. They come out as child and, and they're free. Their parents are free from slavery and it's exciting. They're cheering. They're, they're running along with their, their belongings, the little that they had that they took with them. And, and, and there is excitement in the air. They're celebrating because they're free. They're free from bondage, slavery. An atmosphere of idolatry and adultery. They're free. But they're also free for something. They're free for the promise of God. The promise of, of a new home. A land flowing with milk and honey, they're, they're free from and they're free for. They're, they're free to become the people of God and exercise that reality in ways that they have been kept from doing for generations. God's desire for His people is unadulterated, holy love. And that's true in, in the marriage relationship context. That's true in the relational context from one believer to another and one person to another. It's true between our relationship with God and His relationship with us. He wants it to be just Him and just us. No one in the way. Nothing in the way. And it's, it's seen, if we were to go in and we were to look and unpack the name of Jesus and, and, and all that Jesus does, it's seen in the reality of Jesus because He reverses the names of all three children. And the life He lived, died, and rose as He was on this earth. So God and Jesus, two and the same, desire this beautiful, perfect relationship that oftentimes is best understood in the best of marriage. And it would be nice if we could end it there, but we can't. Because in Hosea chapter 3, Hosea has turned yet again back to a life of prostitution. Yet again. After all this great and powerful explanation and, and exercising of the reality of who God is to His people, and as He explains it and lives it out, and as Hosea does this and He brings her back, she continues to go back. The message of God through the life of Hosea is not just one of two lives. It's not just one of destruction and salvation. And, and, and we see that kind of destruction, judgment, you know, salvation, compassion. We see that, that rhythm throughout the prophets. There's more to it in Hosea's writing. It's, um, there's a third aspect. And I think, honestly, 
often we don't get to the restoration because we're uncomfortable with the third aspect, which is actually right in the middle. And we see it in Hosea chapter 3 unfold in its entirety. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Are you kidding? He's got to be thinking that. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they return to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now the raisin cakes is believed to be kind of the, part of the offering celebration of worship of Baal. So it has nothing to do with who God is. It's part of the uh, reality of the adulterous living of God's people. Verse 2, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will live with you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or idol. All of that is, is part of the, the worship and the kind of dressing up for church and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's not going to have any of that. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to His blessings in the last days. Verse 1 we see the former life. We see Gomer's life uh, called out this life of adultery, prostitution. It, it's called out. And then in, in verse 5, we see the return, that we see the realities of this blessing, this amazing uh, fixing and making right of being in right relationship with God, and between Gomer and Hosea, right relationship between each other. But in verses 2, 3, and 4, there's this lull. It's kind of the interim. It's this, it's this in-between, the recognition of adulterous living and the, and the complete restoration and reconciliation. It's that space in the middle that I think may be the hardest place to live. We see in the relationship with Gomer and Hosea that there's to be no relationship. He's going to put her in a room and she can't go back. And so for, for Gomer, she needs to not in her mind and in her heart, allow her thoughts to go back to the sin that she was in. It's a time for her to, to realign herself to the reality that, that she's the wife of Hosea. And it's a time for Hosea to, to be there in the same place with his wife, but, but to not, but to just be there. It's a time where he, he forgives and he forgives. And he forgives. And he continues to, to forgive. It's the, it's the part of life where all the mental games take place. 
You, you know, the ones that are fighting in your head. Trying, trying to convince you that, that the ridiculous life that you were in, that God has called you out of, that that's where you really ought to be. We see in here also in verse 4, between God and Israel, it's, it's a time of, of restoring. God continues to allure, to be holy, to be jealous for, to con continue to do everything he can to go, look, I am your creator. I'm the one, remember, that brought you out of slavery in Egypt. What, why would you want to go into slavery when I'm the one who gives you freedom? And it's a time where Israel must live out the consequence and the realities of sin and realign their allegiance to God and God alone. It's the hard work. I believe that oftentimes we give up before we have the best because we're not willing to do the hard work. We say, I'm done with this. I'm done with this marriage. I'm done with this uh, calling, this opportunity. I'm done leading. I'm done doing these things that God, yeah, I, I really felt like at one time He called me to it, but I, I don't think He did anymore because you know, people don't listen and it's, it's not going so well. So we just give up. Yes, what does this really have to do with us? Well, The reality is that uh, you and I were both Gomer and Hosea. You and I. We are both Gomer and Hosea. Romans 3.23, for all sin falls short of the glory of God. I would like to say, for all sin falls short of the marital, covenantal, Glory of God. We are Gomer. We have left God on the side of the road. We have taken God to a divorce court and said, I'm done. We have taken real people to divorce court and said, I'm done. We have taken real people to places they don't belong. We have led people in ways we should never have led. We have done things. We have failed to do things. All in ways that have destroyed the relationship that God desires to have with us. So you and I, have, we are both Gomer. But we are both Hosea. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. The song we sang earlier. It's telling us Scripture. It's reminding us of who we are called to be. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people. Do you remember that child's name? Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we are Hosea. God called the Israelites out to be a people, not so they could just enjoy a relationship with God. He called them to be a people to take the truth of who he was to the world. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did so because of some other words he said. He said, the reality is you will do even greater things than I. I love that. Man, that just like fires me up. Because I think Jesus is a pretty incredible guy, right? I guess not. (laughs) I think Jesus is pretty incredible. And uh, when he tells his followers, guess what? doesn't end here. It's now yours to do with, and you will do greater than I. That, 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 uh, that promise, that sending, that calling in those words, that extends to us. So we too are Hosea. The uh, question becomes, I believe, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be restored? Do you want to be called back? Do you want to have the relationship with God that He wants to have with you? want that? Or do you want to be Gomer who continues to run away, continues to make her own choices, continues to to follow the things that have seemingly immediate pleasure but that die off real quick? See, you forget that we're spiritual beings. We live this life for more than just this life. We live our life now as practice for the reality of living with God for eternity. And so what life do you want? God is jealous. And he has the power over every form of death that exists. Jesus died on the cross. Apostles Creed that we would quote says he descended into hell. He raised victorious. Conquered death, hell and the grave. He he did that. And it's not just a physical death. It's the it's the living kind of sinful death that you find yourself participating in and that I do. And, And God has power over all of that. Over all of our junk. God has power. But we have to accept the hand of Hosea saying, come here, wife. I love you. We have to accept that. 
Hosea 6.2 says, After two days He will revive us. On the third day He will restore us, that we may live in His presence. Does that sound familiar to you? There was this guy named Jesus in Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Today we need to remember God's words. We need to remember God's words through the prophet Hosea who said, you are my people. You are my wife. I love you. Don't keep running from the perfect love of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, we read it a little bit ago, but I'll remind you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received the mercy, but now you have received the mercy. Will you pray with me? God, we need to be reminded. who you truly are. God, the world and, and people around us often remind us that we're Gomer. But they don't always remind us that you are God. If you're here this morning... You, you either find yourself as Gomer or Hosea. I, I'm not sure this morning who, yourself, who you recognize yourself to most be. But, but you are one of the two. We all are. And 
We need to remember the words of God. With uh, your heads down, this morning, if you're here and, and you say, you know what? I get the reality that I am Gomer. No one looking around um, otherwise. But if you say, you know what? I, I recognize, I relate to being Gomer. Would you just look at me? Because I want to pray for you. I won't call you out or anything like that. But I just, just wonder if there's someone here this morning that says, man, I recognize that, that I have... I have been Gomer. If so, remember the words of God who says, I love you. I want you to be mine and mine alone. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done, who you think you are, who the world thinks you are. You're mine. This morning, if you're here and you believe, okay, um, I think I'm more like Hosea. I, I'm, I'm the one extending the arm. I'm the one trying to repair relationships. I, I'm the one trying to make things right. Remember the words of God. The one who has power over every form of death. When he says, I take you back, I take them back, I take them back, it hurts. Hosea helps us understand that. But God says, don't stop being like me. Father God, Pray that you would be with us as we continue to worship you. Amen.